This is the CBS News Weekend Roundup. Once again, here's correspondent Dan Revee. You're about to hear a warning that the war against terrorists is going to go on and on. And if we don't keep the pressure on ISIS, Al-Qaeda, lone wolves and other radical dangers, we might suffer another 9-11. That's part of what Michael Morell is saying in his new book titled The Great War of Our Time. Morell is a CBS News contributor. He worked for the CIA for 33 years as an analyst, not an undercover spy. But what he did was secret. He retired as deputy director of the CIA. First, I asked Mike Morell to assure us he is nonpartisan, no political axe to grind. I worked for six different presidents, three of them Republicans, three of them Democrats, Um, I worked very closely with one of those presidents, George Bush. I worked very closely with another one of those presidents, Barack Obama. It is the job of a professional intelligence officer to tell it as you see it, no matter the implications for policy, for politics, or even for yourself. And Michael, you had the job of briefing President George W. Bush just about every day. In the morning, you'd go to the White House. Is that how that worked? So I briefed him from January 4th, 2001 to January 4th, 2002. I was with him um, nearly every morning. Including 9-11. Including on 9-11, either in the Oval Office, at his ranch in Texas, or traveling with him around the country or around the world. I have to say that you don't portray him or Barack Obama as fools or as empty suits politicians. You respect them both. Dan, one of the things you learn when you're in government is that these senior people are doing their best for the country. That... George Bush's commitment to the country, George Bush's commitment to national security, Barack Obama's commitment to the country, commitment to national security, equal. It's a really hard job. I guess you knew that in the great war of our time, you did have to consider some some controversies that you knew were swirling around you. You, You've given us a little bit of a window into whether it was President Bush or Vice President Dick Cheney uh, who thought Iraq ought to be punished, attacked, eventually invaded in 2003. In short, why did the U.S. go after Iraq uh, a year and a half after 9-11? One of the things I try to do in this book is, is not say whether that was the right decision or the wrong decision, but I try to create for the reader the context of the times, the context in which President Bush made this decision. Including, you write, U.S. intelligence believing that Iraq's Saddam Hussein had an active chemical weapons program. We believe he had a biological weapons production capability, and we believe that he was starting his nuclear weapons program again. And you're telling me from the world of intelligence, those were sincere conclusions that were generally wrong. They were things the analysts believed at the time, and things that the analysts had believed for some time dating back to the presidency of Bill Clinton. You put all that together, and in my view, the decision the president made was, I can't take the risk of this guy using those weapons against us, or I can't take the risk of this guy giving those weapons to a terrorist organization. That's the context in which he made this decision, and it's the context in which most members of Congress supported him. You do write that Vice President Cheney's aide, Scooter Libby, did apply pressure for the intelligence to show uh, Iraq was connected with 9-11. So there's two pieces to the intelligence story, right? One was weapons of mass destruction. There was no need to push the intelligence community to believe that he had these programs because we were already there. The other part of the equation was, was there a relationship between Iraq and al-Qaeda? And there, the vice president's office primarily Scooter Libby, tried to push the analysts 
into suggesting, saying that there was a relationship and we simply couldn't find one. So you have learned in that and other instances, uh, including what happened in Benghazi on 9-11 in 2012, when four Americans, including the U.S. ambassador, were killed by terrorists. You learned that sometimes public officials, who I guess are trying to do their best, also try to sell a case to the public and often seem to be citing intelligence. So your work that is unbiased, as you put it, is often used by politicians. One of the things you have to learn as an intelligence officer, and you know, I learned it in my 33-year career, is that in political fights in Washington and in policy fights in Washington, and they're two different things, oftentimes the Central Intelligence Agency becomes the meat in the sandwich. Everybody wants to use for their argument something that we've said. People parse what we say on an issue to make their points. Does it make your work harder? Or did you and the other analysts put a, a bubble around yourselves and just stay professional? So we tend to put a bubble around ourselves. We tend not to listen to the political rhetoric. We tend not to watch what is going on around us. And we try very, very hard not to let it influence our work. Just briefly on Benghazi, there's a part of your book in which I think you're trying to well, explain and maybe defend yourself that you weren't part of an effort to spin what happened in Benghazi so it would be told a certain way. And there are questions about Secretary of State Clinton, etc. But why did you want to spend so much time? Did you feel personally under attack? In this meat in the sandwich metaphor here we were talking about, I found myself the meat in the sandwich. And I was accused of deliberately misleading members of Congress. That did not happen. I made some mistakes. I admit those mistakes in the book, but I didn't deliberately mislead anybody, and I wanted to make sure that I made that absolutely clear, and I tried to do that in this book. Looking at the title, The Great War of Our Time, uh, you write that it's gone beyond al-Qaeda, and there's no sign it's going to end soon. Dan, I believe that my children's generation is going to be fighting this fight, and I believe my grandchildren's generation is going to be fighting this fight. But we are more clever than the enemy. We have better technology. We have better values. I think we have to do two things here. One is that we have done an amazing job since 9-11 at dealing with terrorists who have already been created, who are already trying to get after us and kill us. Done an amazing job dealing with them. One of the things we have to do is keep that up. One of the lessons of the great war of our time is that you have to keep the pressure on a terrorist group. As long as you do that, you make it more difficult for them to plan, more difficult to plot. You take the pressure off, they rebound very quickly. So we got to keep the pressure on. That's one lesson. The other lesson is we have to do much better at something that we've struggled with. And what we've struggled with is stopping the creation of new terrorists. Because one of my frustrations as the deputy director of CIA was Al-Qaeda was putting guys on the battlefield as fast as I was helping to take them off the battlefield. Yes. And so we've got to deal with a hearts and minds issue. We've got to deal with the religious issues, the social issues, the economic issues that are creating these guys in the first place. And, of course, one or two, usually men, who might feel inspired on their own to make a car bomb and try to blow it up in Times Square, New York. Exactly. It's probably going to happen eventually. So I believe, right, that there is going to be another, certainly other attacks in the United States of the kind we saw in Paris, Ottawa, Sydney, the kind we saw in Texas. But I also believe that if we don't keep the pressure up, that we're going to see another 9-11-style attack here. This is called The Great War of Our Time. That's the title of the book by Michael Morell, former CIA deputy director, now a CBS News analyst. Mike Morell, thanks very much. Thank you, Dan.
Please follow us on Twitter for the latest headlines at CBS Radio News. And I'm at Dan Raviv. This is the CBS News Weekend Roundup, a wrap-up of the week with the correspondents who cover the news. 